excuse me, age cuties. But it is Tuesday, August 14, 2018. And 73 years ago today, Stephen Glenn Martin was born standing up. Now, you youngins might know him as a serious banjo player or a pretentious art snob, but I know him to be a man with two brains, an amigo, a dirty, rotten scoundrel, a father of a bride, and a real jerk. If I realized this before 30 minutes ago when I started preparing for the show, I would have maybe planned to have an hour through my head or at least a rubber chicken, but I did have time at least to put a slice of bologna in my shoes, so I feel funny on Steve Martin's birthday, and you're feeling like winning money on HQ, the live mobile game show where you answer questions to win cash, now available on Apple TV. I'm your host, Scott Rogowski, but that's my stage name. I was born a poor black child named Gern Blanston, and I got a wild and crazy quiz for all 300,000 of you, including Dominic Grippu, Zizou Abid, Anna Savoka, Nick's girlfriend Jordan, and Jay Dave Juskow, who had a birthday yesterday. Happy birthday, Dave. everybody welcome to the night fly with dave joskow and happy new year kind of almost if you are a of hebrew descent but happy fall happy after labor day happy the best time of the year to be alive at least in new york city because the seasons change welcome to fall or at least Dave Juskow's favorite time of the year, the only time he enjoys living in New York City for the football, the fun, the fancy-free shenanigans and nonsense and tomfoolery that we have every September to December. By the time I get depressed after, you know, towards December when I'm losing too much money. But, you know, the important thing is that we're all together. It's a fresh new start. I've always considered September 1st to be better than January 1st. September 1st, that's when things really get going. I mean, you have two times of the year. Not because of the Jewish New Year, I just feel September 1st, after the summer, people, things get going again, you know? There's a break, life can start fresh. And that's one of those times. Now, however, uh, now that I'm saying this, I'm actually taping this a week in advance, so it's not actually September 1st, it's a little off my game, but we have our favorite band playing, and We've got lots to discuss, and I'm doing a late night podcast. I just came home from somewhere. I was all coffeeed up. It's one in the morning. It's a late night Artie Lang style like podcast, and I'm like, I know I'm up and I'm ready, and I don't know when I'm going to be able to tape again because I got a busy week this week coming up. Because I'll tell you why right now. Let me turn off the, uh, the, the, the merriment. There's so much to discuss, and I figure, you know, I was also listening to Howard Stern last week, and he was, like, doing this cleaning the computer thing so they can get a fresh start starting in September. I figured maybe I'll do the same thing, but uh, there's so much other things to discuss since we last left you, which was only last week, but, you know, lots of things happen in the world of Dave Jessica, and when I say lots, I mean not that much, but, you know, stuff that I like to talk about and that, you know, some of you like to hear, and then some of you are just like, I'm turning this off. This is ridiculous. So this is the week after the birthday show that we aired. Uh, well, I hope you liked it. I hope you liked it a little. Um, 
I really wish I could play the whole. I wish I could play all the comics jokes because then it would be a really spectacular podcast. But uh, you know, I can't. I told you that before. Uh, also, up front, playing what happened the next day after the birthday, where Scott Rogowski mentioned me on HQ. Very exciting if you're a 15 year old boy, which I am uh, in many ways, but I'm not because I'm old. But I'm gonna I'm gonna do something to fix that. Also. I got a promotion at my job uh, on Thursday, and it's a disaster. There's been backstabbing and nonsense. People are really angry because, you know, I really don't do that much there. But I, uh, you know, I deserve the promotion because, um, well, I'm a white, you know, middle-aged man, and we we deserve these. You know, this is when I was supposed to come into my own, and this this Donald Trump kind of ruined everything. He, he's ruining it, and. Making it better. What? No, I didn't. But, uh, you know, listen. I was watching uh, Meet the Press, you know, and I'm just like, you know, I get it, I get it, I get it. You hate Trump, but I... And there was a guy saying my thing. You know, my thing, which is like, yeah, okay, he paid off these girls because he doesn't want his wife done. It's the same Bill Clinton thing all over again. Who cares? I know there's something illegal about it. I'm not sure what it is. I'm really not sure what it is. Now, we know for a fact people who voted for Trump, people who are crazy Trump, that's not me. I mean, I'm not crazy, crazy Trump. You know, like, he's awesome, he's awesome. Uh, But as you know, I'm not a Trump hater. And uh, I don't care if he paid off these girls to, I I just don't give a shit. Who cares? He paid off a couple of girls that he's not, but nobody cares. I don't care. I mean, everybody's kidding. They're making a big deal. And we talk about this again. And the bottom line is stop Worrying about this? Stop worrying about the Russian thing. I, I, I know, it, you know, you're saying like, no, you're not, he has to be held accountable. Maybe that's true. But I would, because it's been going on too long, I'd say stop it now at 2018, the year 2018, and find a candidate to beat him. That is your job, Democrats. Uh, if you're a Republican and you don't like Trump, Find a Republican to replace him. You know, you can do that. So spend your time finding somebody to beat him. Because he's going to win hands down again. Because you're wasting a lot of time with nonsense that nobody cares about. And I really don't, I mean, does anybody, I mean, besides New York and LA, does anyone, the rest of the country doesn't care. They're like, you guys are making fools. You're like making stuff up because there's really nothing to report. He hasn't really done anything it's all this other stuff that he did before he was president. But as a president, it's odd. There, Nobody's really saying anything. It's, it's kind of the oddest thing of all time, really. But anyway, that's my theory on it. You know, find somebody to beat him, dummies. That's all I can say. Because if he wins again, I mean, wh- wh- whose fault is that? How How is it? How are you yelling at us or... or or I, I'm not saying I'm voting for, but I'm saying like, how are you yelling at people, or how are you yelling at him if he wins again? How can you? What? What? It, obviously, there's people that want him. What? What are we missing? Oh, and you'll explain it to us, all right. Anyway, what? what why do I keep going into these tents? There's so much else to stuff to talk about, and I, I don't like opening the show that way because I know I have. I don't think uh, you know. I think my listeners are like me. You're you're one way or the other, but you you know I don't think there's anybody that listens to me that you know, hates Trump because 
you know, because God, I meet those people all the time, but I hope they do because, you know, I'll listen to what anybody has to say, but I'm not going to listen to somebody on the beach last week who says, we got to shoot Trump. Somebody's got to take a gun and shoot. I'm not going to listen to that. But of course, I'm going to listen to even somebody like Sarah tell me what I'm missing. I will listen to both sides. You know, other people won't do that. There's a lot of people that don't like Trump. They just won't listen. And I'm like, but how do you explain what about what he did with this uh, German guy? And we'll talk about that later or or the uh, bringing those Korean people home. I mean, that's a pretty big deal for a lot of people in this country. But I'm just saying, just everybody's just got to listen. You got to give everybody a chance to tell their side of the story, which is clearly not happening. I really, I mean, and it's just hilarious how just people are just so, I mean, listen, the guy is out of his mind. And it's hilarious. And you're, you know, you can impeach all you want. But the bottom line is, if you want him out, you got to find somebody to beat him. The correct way. And it's only like a year from now. So get cracking. Because I don't want to hear any complaints when he wins in a landslide again. I just don't want to hear it. Just trying to think. I was just think, thinking, like, who who could you know who who would be great? James Spader. Oh man, I'd totally vote for him. I'd vote for George Clooney too. I mean, I know we're thinking of celebrities at this point. I'd probably vote for Cynthia Nixon. She's running here in the city, or uh, New York State. I'd vote for a celebrity. I wonder how good they'd be at it, with their nonsense and whining and complaining. Anyway. Blah, blah, blah. I just came back from a shiva call, which in the Jewish religion is when somebody dies, you hold a service at your house for seven days, which I got to say is a very effective way of mourning somebody. Uh, You know, we did it when my father died. You know, maybe I didn't care that much about my father, but still, you know, in the moment, whether you like somebody or you don't like, you know, death is really messed up and uh, you know you do need a grieving period whether you loved or hate it doesn't really matter it just seems to be the way it is and the shiva call is a seven day and i gotta say you know the jews are they don't have a lot of stuff that i enjoy but this is a very good system now the body has to be buried within 24 hours i don't like that rule that's just too that's in this day and age it's just too difficult to do i'm sure when they made this rule you know, in ancient Egypt, it was pretty easy to just throw somebody in the ground in less than 24 hours. But nowadays, you know, you got to get people off. You got to get, you got to plan things. You got to do stuff. So that rule stinks. And, uh, but we still do it, but it stinks. And then you have a shiva where you have people come over to the house and, and bring food and, and, you know, just talk a little bit. And then you have a little tiny service, you know, say a couple words every day for seven days. And again, it's very effective because uh, when it was happening, you know, you have all this company coming over nonstop, you know, the afternoon, toward, totally towards the night, people you haven't seen in a long time. It's really wonderful. And uh, and then by the fifth day, you just can't wait for everybody to leave. Then you can't wait to be by yourself. So the system completely works. Because I was nervous about being home, going home by myself, living by myself. You know, my sister had her husband... Uh, you know, my mother didn't have anybody, but I'm just saying, you know, a lot of times, you know, people, when you have a husband, that's a good time to have a partner, a girlfriend, a boyfriend, because eventually you have to go, you know, if you don't, you got to go home and be by yourself. You got to go to your job and be by yourself. 
um, at least where I was used to sit at my job, and it's very difficult. But I'm telling you, by like this, by the seventh day for sure, and most people don't do it the full seven days unless you're very strict. Uh, you really just have had enough of everybody, and you're like, oh my god, if they mention my father one more time, I'm going to kill them. Then I'll have to sit shiva again, so I won't do it. But um, yeah, so I went. My friend uh, Evan, his dad died, and I didn't tell him I was going. You know, just show up because I think that's like the best. That's the best thing you can do, I think. Uh, like a nice surprise. Well, you know, in this case, I think it was a nice surprise. <laughs> if I show up at somebody's funeral, you never. How are you? You never know. Uh, <laughs> uh, but he's a buddy I went to college with, and um, uh, you know, and it was a good time. And I'm I'm hilarious at funerals. I mean, this is why I'm able to do these shows. At the Comedy Cellar, it's a legendary story that everyone knows. Uh, Lenny Marcus, our good friend and comedian Lenny Marcus, uh, his father died. I went to his house where he grew up in Long Island, and I was and I was there with the Esty, the booker of the Comedy Cellar for years, and I, I was just on fire. I don't know why. I, I come to life at funerals. I don't know why. It's just a thing. And I'm really funny. I'm always I, I just like seeing everybody. You know, people I like, and it's fun, and you know, and then they get up, they're like, "Thank you for making me laugh," and I'm like, "Hey, you're welcome. How are you?" <laughs> and I don't know, I, I don't even know what I was doing, but Esty was laughing so hard. I mean, that's how I'm able to do these shows. I got like a second chance at the cellar from going to this year, but that's not why I went to my friends. It just, I don't know. I just um, like his son was making so much fun of me. He's like 18, and he's just like, "Oh my god, you're like so not funny," and I'm like, "Yeah, I get it," but then he realized. That's what's funny about me. Like, really not funny. <laughs> and that becomes funny because, you know, I get it. It would be horrible if I actually thought I was funny because I know, well, I have lots of friends like that. I mean, I'm kind of like that, but again, that's still funny. You know, I'm, I'm like, you know, you heard it on the show. I'm, I'm not funny, but that's what's funny. I think. Um, so, yeah, I got this new... Uh, promotion at work and i think i made a mistake because you know so many years at work i never had to do anything and now now i'm gonna have to do stuff but i looked at it this way whereas like if i didn't take it somebody else would have taken it and it could have been a disaster so at least now you know i can i can be in charge of what happens you know to me and well the way i figured i can just leave whenever i want as long as i just come back and do work anytime maybe i can have flexible hours that way which is nice Except I'm planning a couple things. See, that's the thing. I don't know what I'm going to get. I, I got a busy week this week. And when I say busy, I mean just partying. I'm just going to do some. What was it this Thursday that I'm doing? I can't remember. That was the day I was going to do it. And something was happening. And I keep forgetting what it is. And I know I'm doing something Wednesday. Like Rachel's having something before her wedding. Then I'm going out with my friend Katie down in the financial district. I'm thinking, oh, I got to tell you what happened last week. Uh, so... Uh, I, yeah, so I have this, so I have this new job, right? And they hired a new receptionist and she's like 23 and we end up going out on her first day. Uh, she has a boyfriend. So we just, when I, we were heading my way, <laughs> I said, Hey, you going my way? Hey baby, what's happening? You know, I said, I've had to tell all the chicks at work. I'm like, listen, 
just because I'm in charge now, you know, don't I don't want you to think any different of me. You know, my door's always gonna be open to chicks like you, right? Cause it's like that's the way I roll, right? It's just cause I know I'm gonna become more attractive. Just try and relax, baby. Um so I'm walking with this girl, and it turns out her boyfriend manages this bar by my house that I've always wanted to go to and never have. It's like changed name many times. I'm like, wait, he works there? So it's a classy, it's a classy joint. Uh, it, it, where they serve champagne and there's jazz, you know, one of those kind of places. And the girl's like, well, yeah, if we go, we can drink for free. And I'm like, you're my new best friend. And we go there and like, it's, it's just so funny. She's 20, I think she just graduated. And and we meet her boyfriend. He seems okay. Uh, he was a little off. There was something wrong with him. But then we found out what was wrong with him. He was just like sleepy. He must have partied the night before. I don't know what he was doing. Something was off. Right, and we go, and she's like, "These are my friends," and he's like, "Yeah, whatever." And but we're drinking for free, and it's beautiful. And then, um, and this girl's cool. Like we're like, you know, she's she's all right, you know. And then we, uh, it's like later in the night, like maybe eleven, and we haven't seen her boyfriend, the manager of the bar, for about a half hour. So we're, it's only as though there's money on the bar and drink. Nobody's cleaned up and. There's like two other people at the bar and we're looking around for this guy. We're like opening closet doors. I mean, he is nowhere in sight. Like he's like must have just left or he fell asleep in his car or, you know, I said, does he have, she's like, he falls asleep a lot. I'm like, does he have narcolepsy? And she's like, no, no. And I'm like, well, then why does he fall asleep all the time? She's like, I don't, he's really tired today. So she goes, she's, and this girl's unbelievable. I mean, this is the best girlfriend of all time. She's like, hey, do you need me to help out? Me, like, I'm there, and she just starts asking people what they want to drink. Then she's behind the bar working the cash register. Then she's helping the band set up. I'm like, come on, you're the co-owner of this place, right? She goes, no, no, I'm not. She's just a really good girlfriend. And, I mean, it's unbelievable where you find somebody like this. And so then she's just wondering, so then she goes behind the bar because she's also serving drinks. In fact, she even gave the band, came over, like, well, we did not have the tip jar today, whatever this lady talks. And she goes, well, here you go. And she gave her 10 bucks. Now, I found out that that 10 bucks she found on the street, and it was crumpled up, and she gave it to her. So that's kind of hilarious, too. Like, she definitely didn't tell her. It was like, well, I found this crumpled up $10 bill on the street. Would you like this? So that was brilliant. But so she goes back behind the bar again, and she's like, I don't know where he is, and this is really creeping me out, and I think I should, what? She looks down. He's sleeping underneath the bar. He's sleeping underneath the bar on, like, that black tarp. He's just sleeping underneath, like, the sink. It's so weird. And then we, we couldn't even believe it. So he gets up, and he's like, what? And she goes, uh, we're breaking up. This is embarrassing. And uh, he's like, what? <laughs> like, it's so weird. So he goes to another section of the bar and he falls asleep again. I mean, he's obviously really tired, clearly. So then we go out and uh, I guess I think she goes out for a cigarette or something. We're standing out and then he and then he's just completely passed out on like a couch or something. But I'm telling you, there's money left at the bar. It's all, you know, all the tips and everything. There's like, I don't know, there's probably like $100 at the bar just not being cleaned up or anything. It's so weird. And then I'm like, well, how how is he locking up? And she's like, I don't know. And then we're just sitting outside and he 
she notices that he's sitting at the bar now fast asleep by the door. Like he was able to move a little bit and then passed out again at the bar by the door. Like as if, um, I don't know if you've ever seen Doctor Who, but they have these weeping angels and they're kind of terrifying. And if you blink, they move closer. If you shut your eyes, they move closer, but they're statues, but they keep moving closer. And it's one of those things that's so stupid. But when you see it and you thought it was real, it's really creepy. And that's what happened. Every time we blinked or looked away, he kept, he kept moving closer to the window. It was terrifying. And then I'm like, do you, do you want me to get you a cab or something? Because I think he was going to drive her home. I'm like, that can't be a good plan. And she's like, no, I'll figure it out. So I just, so, so I said, I'll get you a cab. And she goes, okay, that'll be great. Let me just go to the bathroom. So she goes inside and all of a sudden he's up and he's cleaning. And she goes, well, he's going to get me a cab. And once that happened, I said, I'm leaving. So I just walked out because then I don't want to get in the middle of that domestic dispute. Uh, you know, I thought if he was passed out, I'm like, all right, I'm going to, you know, help her out. But then, no, I'm not going to be used as a tool <laughs> in whatever they're doing. And then I, I don't know what the hell happened, but I got to say, that was a really strange thing. It was also hilarious. And it's also really hilarious when you meet somebody for the first day and you meet someone that's important to them and that and that's what happens. I mean, that's... That kind of stuff is what makes life worth living for me, which is why almost I'm doing this podcast now because technically, like, we're, you know, we took a week off last week and this one comes out September 4th. So there's no reason I can't do it, the podcast the, during the week or whatever, because, you know, it's obviously not going to be after September 1st. There's too much to do. And um, and then next week, I don't know what, well, whatever. But like I was like so hyped up to like tell you these like stories about this, mostly because of this guy. It was unbelievable. I mean, that was just such a weird story, but I love it. I mean, because I'm not telling you, you know, you're just hanging out with a 23-year-old. It was the first day I ever met her, and it's just, I don't know, the whole situation was funny. Maybe it didn't come off that funny when I told, but no, it did. The guy's sleeping under the bar. Plus, we noticed, because I was there with somebody else too, like we noticed he he had dirt on his shirt before, so we think he was sleeping way before we got there as well with just the bar completely crowded and just taking a nap underneath the bar. And like I said, if it was like one of those bars or an Irish bar, something like that, but this is like a classy place. It was really, he was wearing like suspenders and a tie. Uh, and that's why we were like, I wonder where that dirt came from. And then he had a black eye, which we thought she punched him, but it turned out again, it was from the, the tar on the mats where everybody's standing and the water and the alcohol drops and all the other crap. I mean, that's funny stuff. I mean, that's funny stuff. Funny, funny stuff. That's wild, wild stuff. Um, so, oh, yeah, so because then the, the, the next weekend, I think, is Rosh Hashanah. But it's the second day. Like, I wouldn't put out the podcast as a Hebrew if the podcast came out on Rosh Hashanah. I'd have to skip a week. Or if it came out on Yom Kippur, I would have to, because, you know, I got to adhere. You can't just put out a new podcast on Yom Kippur. It's not right. It's not right. Anyway, everybody's been really great, by the way, um, on Twitter. Uh, may I just say, first of all, um, I'm sorry, I, I, I can't remember. I know it's somebody really nice, and uh, you told me that my sound sounds okay, and that really made me happy. And... Um, 
Everybody's been real nice about the cars. You know, it's so exciting. Um, I'm really, I mean, uh, this guy, Dave Curry, you know, uh, with this bike, he's so sweet. First of all, I listened to their podcast again because it just really has been making me and Memo. And I sent it to my friend Kevin Cash, who now is a correctional officer in uh, Rikers Island, which is extra hilarious. Uh, and it's made us all really happy because we made this film so long ago and kind of know that, you know, well, what are you going to do? It's a weird film. But to hear people like it so much and understand the references, I mean, that's just going to be rare. Um, you know, it just really is uplifting. And now we really want to do something with it. And it's very nice for people to say, I can't wait to see this movie because it's definitely helping uh, push it along. So the plan is, as I said before, you know, some sort of screening. Uh, I'm going to figure it out and then, you know, figure out something to release it so everybody can see it. And uh, we obviously going to have to get through some legal issues, but uh, I'll work it out. And that's the big plan. And quite frankly, if I can be honest, uh, my other plan is uh, I just went down to the Comedy Cellar Friday and I talked to Liz. I'm trying to get a November date for the big 200th podcast, you know, party. And I don't, I don't know how it's going to work because apparently, comedy, the Comedy Cellar has a new show on Comedy Central called This Week at the Cellar, and they're going to take a, a bunch of spots that are usually mine. So it could be difficult, but I'm still, I should know more next week, but. Um, I got if you know my plan. Actually, I think I'm 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 gonna. <laughs> I know this is weird. I don't know. I'm gonna give Rick Ocasek a call. I'm gonna tell him to come down to the cellar, and I'm gonna tell him to play something. Uh, because I'll tell you, um, I finally watched the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and they were the, the, they were horrible. I I don't know what happened. They were like my favorite band, you know, as we all know. But they they it was not a good showing and so let's say that the cars are uh if i'm 54 maybe they're 10 or 15 years older than me um but then the moody blues must be 20 or 25 years older than me and they rocked and they sounded amazing and the cars as usual i mean you know they rock but they, they don't move and I don't, I don't know what happened to Rick's voice. So what I'm saying is um, I will take over singing for Rick and then he just has to play the guitar and uh, we'll be Ocasek and Orr all over again, even though my name's not Orr. Uh, oh, and it's Ocasek, I found out. Can you believe it? I made an entire movie where I called him Ocasek and I just found out it's Ocasek. Oh, <laughs> well, <laughs> the joke's on me. I'll just tell everybody. I'm like, no, I know that's the gag. Anyway, this guy, Dave Curry, he, he was nice enough to make these T-shirts uh, so I bought a couple of T-shirts for me and Memo and Jessica Pilot and my sister uh, with the the logo and the and some scenes from the movie. Uh, it's exciting and it's very nice of you, David, and and thank you very much. And I I I, I really it's uh, uh, you and Donna just really uh, bringing it to life is 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 wonderful. And I just hope this all works out because, uh, like I said, everybody's been real nice and. You know, thanks for bringing it up again. So it gets, it motivates me. But I've always wanted to put it out in a special way. I mean, I put a lot of time into it. It's a stupid movie. It is weird and it's not normal. But, uh, you know, I just want to make it something special, not just put it out on YouTube, you know? So, but listen, if that doesn't work out and 
we you know figure out that that's the way it is and that's the way it'll be but i promise i will put it out sooner than later and i i just appreciate everybody pushing me and it's gonna happen so we'll have an, i mean we haven't had a screening in like five years more than that probably seven years maybe 10 years you yeah, probably haven't had a screening in 10 years it's time so we'll have a fun one maybe we'll invite the cars well maybe we won't maybe we'll wait or if we do invite the cars we'll have them play first then they'll see the movie and walk out like Elliot Easton's brother. <laughs> but that all being said, um, that made my day going to the beach last week, which was a super fun time. I didn't go this weekend for some reason, but this Sunday I did go to the Meadowlands again and bet because, um, you know, it, it's just too funny seeing all those wackadoodles there, but. I don't know. I guess I don't want to talk about that in the podcast. You know, unless I win. That's really the important thing. But I went to the beach. I had a really good time last week. And um, it turns out my friend uh, is not my friend who has the beach, but he has a friend that was so fat he broke one of his chairs in the sand, um, which was hilarious when he wrote me. Look, there's just no way to tell you this. Um, He sat on the chair and he broke it, and I had to buy a new one this morning. That's always funny. So when I got, so after I left the beach, and it was, you know, we get pretty drunk there, and they'll go in the water real smart. And after I went there, my mother was having trouble with her printer again. So I decided to go over her house after the beach, which I always think she lives closer, but she doesn't. And it took me a long time to get there. And then it turns out she, she was at a show. She wasn't even there. So I go fix her stupid printer, which is just unplugging and plugging which is an embarrassment because you won't do that. And then I go over her neighbor's house to make sure she's okay. And I go over Aunt Judy's house to see how she's doing. And then when my mother found out, she was really angry. And I think I did it on purpose. I'm like, well, you know what? I'll go visit all your friends (laughs) because it's pretty funny. She's like, what? But her friends are much more entertaining. Their houses are lived in. You don't mind sitting down like you're going to mess something up. Plus they have food. Like I went over Marilyn's house who's her next-door neighbor, and and she's in the football pool and everything, and she had these people over there that are taking care of her because she had some surgery. And you know what she did? She ordered a pizza and said, oh, Dave, I'm glad you're here. I ordered a pizza so we can all have pizza. My mother has never said, hey, let's order a pizza. I have no food in the house. We'll order a pizza. She's never, ever said that. Ever. Like, I mean, even when we were growing up, she's never even said it. Ever. My dad used to say it. Let's order a pizza. Me and my sister used to say it because we're kids. Let's get pizza and have it delivered because that's that's all they used to deliver in the day. Now they deliver everything. At least here. So, I mean, that's just, you know, it's like, why can't, Oh, that food issue with Rhoda. It's like, what kind of grandmother is that? That's how little you have to do to make people want to come to your house. Hey, Dory, why don't you come down this week and I'll order or the, to today and I'll order a pizza? Wow. Yeah, that sounds like fun. Let's do that. Or definitely for Billy. Billy loves pizza. So he'll come down and visit if Grammy was going to order a pizza. But you know what Grammy offers? Frozen bagels and tuna fish. 
It's just like Marge Simpson putting that raisins in the cake. Kids love raisins. They do not. But I really believe my mother thinks kids love raisins. It really doesn't take that much to be a good grandmother. You really just have to supply food and give your grandkids $20 every once in a while. Just hand it to me. Here, take this. Take it. Take it. Aunt Judy gave me $20 when I went there. Aunt Judy still gives me $20. She gives me $50 on my birthday every year. You know who else she gives $50 to on their birthday? David Blitzer, the owner of the New Jersey Devils and Philadelphia 76ers. She still gives him $50 on his birthday every year. It's hilarious. We talk about it all the time. I'm like, happy birthday. Did you get Aunt Judy's money? <laughs> I mean, that's hilarious, but that's that's a hell of an aunt. I don't feel I'm a good enough uncle. I, I don't think I've been giving money. I mean, everybody knows I, you know, I, I, you know, I got a gambling problem stuff, but so I've been giving Liza $50. I've been Venmoing her $50 when I win at the track. That's our deal. Every time I win at the track, I give her 50 bucks because I know she's the only one who appreciates it. Dory and Billy, they don't care. They don't, they, they don't, Dory doesn't spend any money and she has, I think she's got like a million dollars under her mattress for like babysitting all those years. And I don't know if Billy could appreciate $50 somehow. I don't know why. Maybe I should try it and see what happens. But it's just so easy to Venmo somebody. So Liza's in college. And, and you know, you can see people's Venmo accounts, what they're doing. So you know what somebody... So I see Liza's account. And she's in college. She goes, you know, paid this for pizza. Paid this for pizza. Paid this for pizza. And then, you know, beer or whatever it is. You know, she's not supposed to... But you know how it's college. So it's just... It's just she's using the money the way you want your niece or nephew or grandkid to use the money that you're giving her like, here, take this. But Grammy doesn't do that. Although I think my sister told Grammy like, Hey, send Liza some money. But it's funny when you have to tell your grandmother to do that. I mean, that's not the fun. Cause my grandparents, even, even as poor as they were, my mother's mother always gave money, but my dad's mother had a lot of money. So they always gave us money. It was terrific. I mean, that's how you made money. I didn't get an allowance. I got money because I got money from my grandparents. I never had an allowance. I didn't understand how that worked. Because every once in a while, they just give me money, I guess. I always wonder about that. I always wonder as a kid, like in high school, where, how did I have money? Where did I get money from? I, I'm fascinated by that. I really don't know. In college, I was like, where, where did I get money from? How do I have money? Why do I have money in my bank account? Where did it come from? I mean, I worked during the summer, so I know where it came from then, but I didn't work like, well, maybe, maybe I did, I guess. I guess that's what it was. But I remember my senior year, my grandmother gave me like $1,000, and I spent it all. It was fantastic. You know, but my girlfriend, something nice, right? I got her like a necklace because, you know, I just want to see her in pretty things, right? Come on. What's happening, baby? Anyway, I leave there and I go to this place in Edison, New Jersey called Tasty Subs where Obama goes, where Obama shops. This is just a picture of him holding the subs. We're not sure if he ever actually ate it, but he came in there and he held up the subs. And sometimes that's all you need to run a place. Tasty Subs, delicious. You know, the big tuna fish subs, you know, I was talking about because my sister had it at that party and I just couldn't stop eating it. So I got two of them like an idiot, two huge ones. So I ate half of it in the car and then I bought the one and a half subs home. And when I got home that night, I ate the rest of the first one. And then all of Sunday, that was what I did. I never left the house. I just finished that sub. Like, I know there's a Simpsons episode where Homer just finishes this sub all day. And it was like all gross and old and stuff. And that's what I was doing. My whole 
My whole plan on that Sunday was just finishing that sub. Now, you know, that's a real man (laughs) who has nothing else to do. What are you doing today? I'm going to really work on eating this entire sub today. I'm like, I thought you had a sub yesterday. Well, that is the challenge. Yes, I did. And uh, I did it. Oh, you know what? Now that I think I did, I threw out one of the quarters. I did throw out one of the quarters. I was like, I think I've had enough. I could have saved it till Monday, but the Monday I always have pizza. Everybody knows that, you know, until until uh, until football season. So here we go. So last Thursday, my sister texts me and says, I just won the lottery. Let me finish. <laughs> I just won the lottery for the SpongeBob SquarePants Broadway show. That's what I said. And I'm like, I, I don't know if that's called winning the lottery. She's like, so do you want to go? And I go, sure. So I, I'm up for any show I don't have to pay for. I'll always go see any show. And Billy and Dory say this show's the greatest. They're like, oh, my God, it's so it's my favorite show I've ever seen. So then we're like, huh. Meanwhile, it's closing in like a week. So obviously, my curiosity is peaked, and I will see truly any Broadway show. If somebody says, do you want to go? I have a ticket. I'll go. I don't care what it is. If it's free, if I don't have to pay $190 for SpongeBob, I'll go see SpongeBob. My sister paid 40 bucks for the tickets, but she, you know, she wasn't going to charge me. I don't care. And I, if it was 40 bucks, I'm like, oh, I'll still see it anyway. So we're watching the show. We've got bad seats, too, in the lottery. They're in the back. But thank God they were in the back because it sucked so much. It sucked. Really sucked. This is one of the worst shows I've ever seen. And all I was thinking about, I'm like, you know, after this, maybe I'll get some wings. You know, maybe I'll take, maybe Beth will be cool and she'll want to go get the wings. And it's coming to the end, and I go, you know what? I'm going to go to the bathroom. I usually never get up in the show, and I'm like, uh, because there's so many kids at the show, I'm like, I want to go to the bathroom now. And she's like, yeah, you're not going to mess with anything. So then I'm like, oh, that's interesting. She feels similar. I wasn't sure. Oh, also, they had the utilization of the aisles, and they're bringing stuff through the aisles, and they kept hitting me in the head with that stuff. You know how I hate that. So I was getting a ner- you know, unnerved. And then at the intermission, Beth goes, hey, you want to get out of here? And I'm like, you mean just walk around and go to the bathroom or like get a drink? And she's like, no, do you want to leave? And I'm like, yes. Oh, my God, I'd love to leave. We can go get wings. And she goes, that's a great idea. And I'm like, really? Are you sure? Are you sure? Because I haven't walked out of a Broadway show in 20 years. The last Broadway show I walked out of, I actually called this girl the next day. My friend Corey Abraham, she works at NBC, and she's in the football pool, so we keep in touch that way. But I called her on the phone. I haven't talked to her in a long time and said, hey, the last time I walked out of a Broadway show was with you. We went to see this Broadway show called Civil War, and it was about the Civil War. You know, and I'm just like, well, my favorite musical, 1776, maybe this will be great. It's the worst show I've ever seen. So I don't know how that ended. That was the only time I walked out at halftime. I'm calling it halftime because I'm a man. (laughs) <laughs> but that's the first time I walked out an intermission. 20 years. it took. And now, meanwhile, if I had paid $190 for the tickets, there's no way I would have walked out at the intermission, obviously. 
but getting it for $40 or technically free, I have no problems walking out on intermission. Here's the funny thing. The musical numbers in this show, we were looking at the programs while we were having those delicious wings, even though they changed the recipe, but I still like that place, Lansdowne Road. And I set them up. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to be coming back. It's, it's starting next week, but it's not because it's Labor Day, then it's Rosh Hashanah, then I'm doing something. Maybe I'll tell you, I can't decide. Uh, so I won't be able to get back there until the end of September, really, which seems to happen every September, but then every Monday after that. Anyway. So listen to who write who wrote all these songs. It's I have to do more research on this, but the people that wrote these songs are okay. The, the, I don't know whether they're made for this or whether this is true. But this well, this I'll just play for you. This song is called "No Control," and it's by David Bowie and Brian Eno. The end is coming. Just in the end is in our future. Evidence has come to Trust me when I tell you this song did not sound like this when I was listening to it, because actually that doesn't sound that bad, but it sucks. That's obviously SpongeBob. I mean, you can, it's, it, it, what? It's written by David, Bo- I gotta do research on this. So then they have this song, BFF, written by the Plain White Tees. I like that kind of music. The song blows. The way they do it. I got you, and you got me. I don't need my glasses on to see we're both pretty lucky. Stuck inside with no TV Being bored with you makes me as happy as can be Let's have some fun together We'll be best friends forever BFF that stands for us It's not the worst Broadway show tune I've ever heard. In fact, that's probably the best one we heard, but it still goes nowhere and it sucks. It's a, it's hard to explain but I think when you're listening to it, you're like, no, it's really not that tough. But but that's the thing. So here's one that's written by Panic at the Disco. Who doesn't like them? Sure, I spend my days floating around. Head in the bubbles in my feet on the ground. But there is more to me than just my name. Give me a chance and I could change the game. And maybe one day, Mr. Krabs, you'll say, The Krusty Krabs yours, it's your lucky day. That is what I've always wanted. Then I can finally say I've done it. Let me have adventure, be a contender, and more. Oh my God, this it just blows. I'm sorry, it's just really... Uh, but But... And then there's a Cindy Lauper one, and the Flaming Lips, and I mean, this just should be the greatest show in the history of shows. So in the second act, the ones we didn't hear, you know, I was just thinking, I'm like, well, maybe we miss one because now we got songs. Well, let me tell you, this is the opening song of Act Two, and as soon as I played it, I'm like, oh, we didn't miss nothing, and it's by Sarah Bareilles, and I like her, and you know, she just did a whole Broadway show with Waitress, but this song blows too. It all blows. <laughs> 
I mean, anything with accordion is hilarious, but I mean. Let me begin with a hardy ho-ho and a tale that nobody tells well. I've not come all the way from NCINO to be treated like sewage that smells. I'm certainly I'm so, uh, not uh, that. Uh, uh, oh. no, it goes nowhere. Oh, wait, maybe it picks up. We've all been cast out. Yeah, it doesn't. How angry would we be if we had stayed and we're like, oh my God, it's more of the same. They're not even opening with a showstopper. So, but here's, here's the, now this, this one, it's called Bikini Bottom Boogie. And it was written by Steve Tyler and Joe Perry. Frankly, I, I, I played the whole thing because I really enjoyed that one. <laughs> that one was good, but is it you know is it worth one hundred and eighty dollars to wait for that song? Maybe that was kind of fun. But you know what the problem is? If we were there and you were seeing these idiots sing it, even though they sounded like Aerosmith, uh, it, it, it 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 might not have sounded the same because the the cast is just stupid. I mean, they're all, uh, the guy who's playing SpongeBob sounded like SpongeBob, and he's okay, but it's just stupid. It's stupid, and so I don't know what that looked like. But that song was kind of fun. <laughs> like, I mean, if I, uh, you know, I, it was enjoying it. It sounds so Aerosmithy, and it's great. And that's why I guess it's better than the other songs that sound like Broadway. That doesn't sound like a Broadway song. That sounds like something I would enjoy. And if the whole show sounded like that, we probably would have stayed. But it didn't. So it's weird that, you know, they 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 have all those really good people, and and the show blows. I mean, like, really blows. I mean, like, we left an intermission. I mean, that's very rare uh, for anybody to do. And certainly, 
uh, Dave Juskow. So, um, yeah, but uh, so Dave Juskow and his mom and sister are going to see Pretty Woman on Broadway, the new musical, uh, because, I don't know, you know, it's what we do every year. And again, uh, you know, I tried to get four tickets and because uh, this guy wanted it, he's like, can you buy four instead of, because I go through this guy. And uh, I'm like, yeah, let me, I'm sure we could take four because we can ask one of the kids, you know, and my mother goes, no, I don't want to take any of those grandkids. (laughs) I don't know what her deal. I mean, I know she just wants to spend time with us, but it's weird for, again, for a grandmother not to want to, whatever. Anyway, so you can look forward to, uh, oh, right, I forgot I have this ticket. I knew we had something to do. I have to be back in time for that, right? I'm thinking of going away. Oh, crap. All right, I'll figure it out. Don't worry. Everybody relax. All right, everybody relax. Now, uh, oh, sorry. Huge news. Huge news, hour into the show. Big news. I'm pretty sure, Memo and I have discussed it, I'm pretty sure we're bringing back puppet picks. Now, for those of you who don't know, uh, I think I started the podcast after puppet picks. Puppet picks, I was going to say you can see it on YouTube, but I really don't want you to go see it on YouTube. But if you look up puppet picks, I used I did a, a like a YouTube show for three years called Puppet Picks where I make football picks with puppets because I'm obsessed with puppets and football and it made a lot of sense. So me and Memo make, we would make a weekly YouTube show where we make picks every week against the spread. And by the third season, I was I was doing a whole uh, story arc because my nephew liked it so much because he was young. I did a whole story arc of puppet picks where we ended up in space and my dog, Bernie, who's crazy, you know, we actually, you know, we did the bit where we were uh, cleaning up the rocket ship that was going to space. And we're like, uh, you know, it's our job to put in the food. So we're like, breakfast, check, launch, <laughs> lunch, check. And like, well, I said lunch, not launch, you idiot. <laughs> and my cat's involved. And so there was, there's pets and animals. It's just the way, which was why I love Smigel's show so much, the TV Funhouse and the Comedy Central which is why I was so happy I was involved. I love puppets and real animals, and it just makes me laugh. So, you know, it started my late cat, Selena, and uh, Ralph the dog from the Muppets and a bunch of other puppets I had found or purchased, and we just had a really good time with it and lots of green screen stuff. And we're bringing it back, but not in that way. I think what we want to do is just have it in the corner of a bar and just do it, but we want to do a weekly show with puppets because I'm obsessed with puppets. And Memo works at Sesame Street, and, well, that seems like the perfect place because they're like Muppet puppets. But, you know, not the ones that you know because we legally can't use that, but, you know, there's still some good ones. Plus, remember I paid like $400 for that football puppet, Lacey, uh, when I was doing the football show down at the Comedy Cellar with Artie, who was making fun of the puppets, which, of course, is classic. So, I don't know. I think we're going to do it. I don't know where it's going to air yet. I'm figuring it all out. But this fall, how are you? It's going to be classic. Absolutely classic. Um, Did you hear about this girl who they're now calling Tinderella? I don't know if you heard about it. And this happened in New York City last week. Natasha Aponte 
what she did was she tricked men into a contest on Tinder. They didn't know they were doing a contest and tricked them all to showing up to Union Square for a date. They all thought they were dating her and they had and she then it turned out to be a trick and she uh you know they were going to battle it out for her and the guys were really angry and she's a self-described actress model singer you know one of those idiots on the dating app and we're invited to watch a DJ set last week she goes are you available this is what she'd write to the guys who had no idea she was playing all of them are you available Sunday at 6 p.m.? My friend is DJing a free outdoor show in Manhattan, and I was going to say hi, and then you and I could go get a drink or something and see what happens. Wink emoji. So that's what she wrote to everybody. Uh, but when these guys got to the stage, there were, I don't even know, does it say how many other guys there were? It doesn't say. But they have a picture of it in the paper. I mean, there were a lot. Maybe I'm looking at 100 guys. So even though she's a twat for doing this, it's kind of funny. She um, she then started like voting them off the island. Uh, so the first elimination was, if you think you can support Trump and date a Puerto Rican, now's the time to leave. If anyone's a tourist or doesn't live in this country, you should leave. Now this part's pretty funny. Anyone also named Jimmy should leave. I don't like the name Jimmy. Now, that's funny for me because my friend Mitch Silverberg has said for years, isn't before Jimmy Fallon and Jimmy Kimmel, he said, isn't Jimmy the stupidest name you've ever heard? It's like the dumbest name. Jimmy's the stupidest name. It's funny that she doesn't like it because I've always thought it was funny. And now it's funny that there's so many but it's still the most ridiculous name. And I remember there's the Family Guy episode where to get past this safe, the question is, what is the stupidest male name? And I really thought they were going to say Jimmy, and I'm like, oh, my God. Did somebody hear me say that? Because it's possible that Alex Sulkin might have, I might have told him that. Or he might have just said, I hate Sarah's old boyfriend, so I'm going to use that as the stupidest name. But no, they used an actual better one. <laughs> Uh, and they go, what is the worst name? And he got it right in the first try. He goes, um, Keith. And then the door opens. Uh, so that was really funny. And then she goes, men with beer bellies, long beards, khakis, and Tom's shoes are also able to leave. Before she directed those still remaining to compete in a running race and pitch themselves as as prospective dates. I mean, that's what's so, I mean, it's hilarious, but if I was one of those guys, man, would I be furious. But if if she was doing it for, so they call her Tinderella. Uh, and there's been a couple of things they're wondering if she's going to get. I mean, it was at the basic article, but I've seen it a couple of days later. Like, is she in sort of trouble? But I don't know whether she can get in trouble for that. I don't know. I mean, I hate her because that's a mean thing to do, but it's also... It's also kind of brilliant. It's a good publicity stunt. It's, uh, it is what it is. Um, this guy, Doug Grinstaff, just died. And I don't know whether you know him, 
but this is what he invented. Did you get it? Do you know what that is? Well, if you don't know, it's the doors from Star Trek opening and closing. He developed that sound. Is that funny? I don't know why. It just is. Yeah, he developed the sound, the the whoosh of the ship's doors on Star Trek, and also did the um, the trouble with tribbles. He made that cooing sound of the tribbles. Uh, I just think that's a really funny thing to be known for, and kind of iconic. Here's the scene from The Trouble with Tribbles. This is when Kirk finds out they've been eating all the uh, grain and the thing, and they're all falling on his head. It's kind of a classic. I love that ending. They like It's a comedy scene. Uh, but it's also like, you know, uh-oh, this, here's a major plot point with that music in the back. He, they all fall on his head when he opens this door because they're adorable, and they don't really hurt anybody. They're just like grain, and they're eating all this grain, but then it turns out the grain is poison, spoiler alert, and the triples die, but that's how they find out that it's poison, so it's actually kind of good. Besides, they multiply so fast. I mean, what are you supposed to do? But I just like that ending music again. You know, this is kind of the problem with Netflix because we don't have the dramatic cut to the commercial anymore, which, uh, you know, was kind of great, even though commercials suck. (laughs) There is something kind of great about having that music. Like, we'll be right back. I mean, you can really, like, make a TV show kind of like a concert where you have this big ending and then you come back again and just, you know, start up again and then have another explosive bum, bum, bum. You can hear it in the background. They seem to be gorged. Gorged? On my grain? Oh, that's, uh, what is that guy? William Shallert? Didn't he? He played Patty Duke's father. I mean, he was in everything that we ever grew up on in the 50s, 60s, 70s, definitely into the 80s, maybe even in the 90s. I think he's dead now, but my God, he was in everything. Remember that guy? Kirk, I am going to hold you responsible. There must be thousands of them. Hundreds of thousands. 1,771,561. That's assuming one triple multiplying with an average litter of 10, producing a new generation every 12 hours over a period of three days. And that's assuming that they got here three days ago. And allowing for the amount of grain consumed and the volume of the storage compartment. How about that, huh? That Spock is really so annoying sometimes when you're just like, all right, we get it. It's a lot of triples, you dumb... Well, you dumb Vulcan. Why, you green-blooded son of a... Um, also this week we found out that this is kind of amazing. Actually, I don't know whether you heard about this, but it's, it's, it's amazing in two different ways. Um, this happened this week, which is really unbelievable.
somehow, some way, the disbanded Eagles, even though they're touring again, even without Glenn Fry or anything, but the disbanded Eagles, for since, remember this band broke up in 1980, just surpassed, the Eagles' greatest hits album just surpassed Thriller as the top grossing album of all time. How the hell is that possible? They stopped making music in the 80s. This is their greatest hits album. And they, and if you watch their documentary, which I highly recommend whether you like them or not, it's like a four-hour documentary with pristine footage. And Glenn Fry says, we don't understand it either. We broke up, and then somehow in we were like still played as if we were out there every day. And they just became bigger and bigger. And this album the best of the Eagles continues to climb the charts. It, it, it's, it's really unbelievable. And, but the thing is with thriller though, you know, it's pretty easy to get your greatest hits. And the thing is that, I mean, I mean it, it, it is, you know, unbelievable greatest hits. I mean, they, every song, you know, Somebody's gonna hurt someone Before the night is through Somebody's gonna come undone There's nothing we can do Everybody wants to touch somebody If it takes all night Everybody wants to take a little chance I mean, you know all the songs. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a ridiculous. But the thing what you got to still hand him, which Michael Jackson will always have, is that I mean, he just this, I mean, this is the Michael Jackson. He made an album that was the greatest album. Of, I mean, this is the greatest hits album. So it's a compilation of all their other albums that might have had one or two songs on them. Michael Jackson. I mean, Thriller still. Yeah, all right, so maybe it got outsold, but I mean, you still have to give Michael Jackson props for an album, a single album. Because quite frankly, I mean, I don't know why Michael, if Michael Jackson had a regular hit instead of he did it in a weird way, if he had a greatest hits album, I mean, if you think about it, if he even included the Michael, the, the Jackson 5 stuff, I mean, it would be 10 times better than the Eagles album. I mean, that guy, it was, well, it, it, you couldn't though, because you'd basically have to just put Thriller on it because every song was a hit minus two of them. So you couldn't even make a song because that album was just so chock full of stuff. But yeah, it just happened this week. It overtook Thriller. What, what is it? I don't even know when this came out. The greatest hits album, I assume, nineteen eighty. It's unbelievable. One of these nights <laughs> One of these crazy nights Because my song, my voice is very much like Don Henley So I didn't mind, you know, just singing over him Obviously if I use the auto-tuner, if I knew the words, I would totally do it 
but oh man, should I? Hey, going to one of these nights. Wow, wow, wow. This is just as good as Don Henley, right? Yeah. Yeah. One of these nights. Catch a baby one of these nights. One of these. No. Is anybody still there? Have you turned off? <laughs> I stopped it before because it's it's annoying. Yeah, had to continue it. Otherwise, for all of us who have, um, I don't know, uh, what do you call it? Uh, disorder, you know, where you got to flick the light switch and everything. And obsessive compulsive disorder. Uh, so there's that. Now, what else we got going on? I told you I cleaned up everything. Uh, oh, what I was going to say about uh, something about Donald Trump, actually, the this Jacob this an SS guard living in Queens, and uh, you know a Nazi guard was living in Queens until uh, Monday, like this past or, or two Mondays ago, he was just living in a house in Queens for what fifty years, and. Finally, somebody figured it out, and Donald Trump had him, no matter how sick he was, he's like 95, had him sent back to Germany with the German chancellor's permission, and uh, that's a pretty cool goddamn thing he did, even though the guy's 95 and it doesn't really matter anymore, and all these Nazis just live such long, perfect lives as if the whole thing never happened. But it's interesting about this dude in the sense that... um, I still have the thing. Hold on a second. Yeah. Here's the thing. Now, this guy is a horrible human being. He's a piece of shit. And this is so fucked up. And this is why I always have trouble with Holocaust stuff. The stuff... I'm not man enough to appreciate... Uh, to, to, uh, to listen to this... This is really messed up. Although he isn't accused of physically carrying out the murders, Palige was on hand on November 3rd, 1943. It's amazing they have to have it down to the science because the Germans were really meticulous. When the entire camp population, some 6,000 Jewish men, women, and children, were shot to death. Some Jewish prisoners were momentarily spared to burn the piling up corpses and scatter their remains into trenches before being shot to death themselves. I, I can't even, it's so fucked up. And this guy was there. I, I, it's, it's so, it's so messed up the way I can't, e- I can't even believe we exist in a world that only happened in our parents' lifetimes uh, when that was happening. It's, it's so fucked up. But listen to this though. Here's the thing. Although he admitted, well, right. They're all liars, but, um, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to it's like it's like the way he got recruited here it is born in the village of whatever poland part of present-day ukraine that was seized by the nazis this guy at age 19 was recruited by the ss in 1943 he was sent to Traniki in eastern poland and trained as a private guard there with the id number 3505 according to papers first filed by the doj in 2002 to revoke his citizenship 
which I can't believe in 2002 they knew about it. What the fuck? The training camp was aimed at readying SS guards for Operation Reinhard, the Nazis' code name for their plan to capture and murder all 1.7 million of Poland's Jews. As an armed guard at the camp, Palij compelled the prisoners to work and prevented them from escaping, the court papers said. All, um, yeah, so that's the thing. But they had something where how he... That's what I'm trying to... Um, like how he got... Uh, you know, what happened, that they came to his home and they said that, you know, they were going to hurt his family if he didn't join. I mean, I I, I kind of believe it. Um, they Yeah, he said, he insisted being conscripted as when Nazi forces invaded his family's farm and he feared they would kill his younger sister and mother if he didn't comply. They told us we would be picking up mines, but that was a lie, Palij said. In that camp, they took us 17, 18, 19-year-old boys. I am one of them. If you tried to run away, they'd take your family and shoot all of them. Now, these guys are pretty good at lying, and they've been lying for a long time. And what he did was atrocious, yes. Uh, but, I, I, you know, I mean, it's hard not to believe that that is how they recruited all these people to do these things. Um, now, yes, at a point, where, I mean, this is what people say about Trump, which is ridiculous, because uh, this is a true atrocity. You can't compare the two. Um, but the fact of the matter is, is that if which one of us is brave enough to tell our bosses to go fuck themselves when we think something's wrong? Yeah, it's easy to say it. You know, would you carry out these orders? You know, like just, you know, like what they're saying about Trump and stuff. Um, but are a lot of us, would we be able to go like, fuck you, Hitler, I'm not going to do it, and then he shoots you in the head, or he shoots your family. I mean, that's the thing. Uh, are, are we man enough to, to stick up for that? And you, you just don't know until you're in that position. You want to say, yeah, I wouldn't let that happen. I would never listen to that. But, you know, when you think about these I'm not taking the Nazi side. But when you think about the movies like A Few Good Men and they have the code red and they have to do what their sergeant tells them and these two guys get arrested because they should have done something when they knew it was wrong, it's very confusing. It's very confusing. We're all humans. A lot of them get brainwashed. I mean, you know, obviously American soldiers are not going to kill your wife and family, but there'd be no reason to not believe that the Nazis had that plan that, that Hitler said if they don't join then make sure you kill their whole family. They, We want 17, 18, and 19-year-old boys. We want the best specimens that we can make amazing, you know, super soldier spies, which they did. This is why this guy, all of them, lived to 95. And it's funny, I mean, this is how good a specimen they were. They didn't even, they, they clearly must have even had no stress. After seeing all this, how could you live with yourself? So then you have to say this guy's just lying and he did it all and, and that's the thing. There's no way to know. We'll never know. And uh, it's just messed up that this guy was able to live in this country. We know they all went to Argentina or whatever in South America and lived lovely lives, lovely lives, long, fruitful lives. But when it happens here and the guy's just living in Queens, and he's probably living next door to somebody who was in that prison camp and saw their families get killed. 
how did, how did this happen? Maybe you just used a fake. I mean, it's it's crazy. I mean, it seems pretty easy to do, I guess, but I don't know. It's uh, it just happened uh, a couple days ago. That's why I'm bringing it up. And it's a weird thing that this is a very strange podcast. We like to have fun. We like to talk, but you got to talk about the issues. What am I becoming? My mother, I got to talk about the Holocaust all the time. That's what I do now. Is that my thing? I like to talk about that stuff because I think once in a while, I can't like I can't watch movies like Shinzo's. I can't watch what we just talked about. I can't I can't know that as when I went to the Holocaust Museum for even for the article for Maxim. I can't go fully. I can't. I can't. I th- like I've said. I don't think men deal with it as well as women do. It's like we just like we can't do anything about it, and it, it it's it's a struggle inside. We're men. We're supposed to protect that kind of stuff and it's weird because we know what's happening now in syria and stuff like that but we just have to hope our armed forces are taking care of that and but they're not but what what can we do what what can we do i would like to do something that's when you wish you know superman was here but if superman was here then we'd have really weird villains from outer space and that can't be good either there's really no way to win we just have to hope for the best there's really nothing else we can do but it's hard to believe in God when um, Woody Allen even says in Hannah and her Sisters, why did God create Nazis? Why would he? Anyway, there's a review. I was talking about Pretty Woman before there was a review on it. It's supposed to be horrible. I told you I'm going to see that with my mother and my sister. Just moving along to a much nicer topic. Speaking of the Holocaust, apparently Pretty Woman is just hard. <laughs> uh yeah, it's supposed to be pretty goddamn bad. And you know what the funny thing is? You know what I was thinking? So in this day and age, you're going to put up Pretty Woman, the musical, which is, which actually the headline is Pretty Dated. If you're going to put out a musical about a, a rich millionaire that's saving a prostitute with his money and charm in during the Me Too movement, you're an idiot. And whoever produces this, we should take his money and put it to really good use because this man is obviously a moron. This is the worst year to do this. Now, my theory is that this has been in the mix for a very long time, and unfortunately, the Me Too movement happened, and they already too well invested, so they have to go through with it. But you know what I was thinking, which would have been a real box office blast if she could sing? What if Julia Roberts played the Richard Gere role and some like, you know, hot boy, (laughs) I don't know who, um, played the prostitute. What if they switched it and Julia Roberts was able to like, if she had a really good singing voice. Now that's a show for this day and age. Now that's not a show I want to see. I like when the man saves the woman. You know why? I'm a man. I'm a man from the 80s. That's what we used to do. Men save the princess. And I'm sorry if you're unhappy with that. I have no problem with movies where girls save the boys. I'm just saying I like the movies where the boys save the girls because I am a boy. And that is what I like. Uh, but there's certainly plenty of movies where the woman saves the man, and that's fun too, but this is what we were taught as children. And just because the times have changed, 
It's hard to change my mind. Where it's always 1985. And where Back to the Future is always playing in a loop. What did I do yesterday? Oh, I was with uh, Dory and uh, my sister. And we went to, oh my God. So I get, so I went out last Friday night. This is a week ago. I went out Friday night, got a little drunk. Went to the cellar, got a little drunk. Met this girl. This girl staring at me from the bar. And I'm like, wait, me? Huh? And I was talking, I don't know. She seemed like me. You know, we never know. So I got a little drunk. I go home. Oh, and I, I went to the pizza place and I had a couple slices of pizza and a, and a 40. So, you know, I wasn't feeling great the next day. But the next day I had, um, what I have? I had, uh, oh, I had my usual, which I know I shouldn't do, but I do, which is two sunny side up eggs and a uh, deli bagel, you know, with cream cheese and lox and stuff. And I kind of dip it in the uh, egg yolk because I'm trying to kill myself and uh, eat it and some orange juice and some coffee and some bacon, you know, whatever. I'm eating this whole thing little hangover food. And um, then my sister calls me and said, they just saw this show called Once on this Island, which is supposed to be really good. And you want to go to Serendipity, you know, where they have the frozen hot chocolate. So I go to Serendipity, and then I decide I'm going to get... <laughs> this is like two hours later. And I'm like, well, I'll also get the potato skins because they had loaded potato skins, and I'm a sucker for that. Anything with the word loaded in it, I got to have. So I had some of the potato skins, and then I had the frozen hot chocolate, and I pretty much ate the whole thing. And then, obviously, I had to get home immediately. Now, I know that's right down the street, so there was no problem. I walked my sister home, like, a little bit to the train or wherever they were parked, and uh, I'm like, ah, well, this is where I got to go. This is as much I think if I leave now, I can make it home, because there's it, to not have diarrhea would be a miracle. So... I don't remember where I was going with it, but um, I don't think it had anything to do with Pretty Woman or the Holocaust. I'm sorry, I can't remember now. I think I just wanted to tell you a diarrhea story, but I can't remember. Um, what was the serendipity? There was so- oh, that's right. Um, I was telling... Oh, so I just kept saying, what the hell is this? And I go, breakfast. And I'm waiting for Dory to pick up on it. What the hell is this? breakfast and then i go what are you wearing dave marty i always wear a suit to the office it's from back to the future and i just do random lines in front wait to see if dory or beth can guess what it's from marty i always wear a suit to the office and of course the best part about that is that it's saturday so why would he wear a suit to the office? And then my sister's like, well, maybe he you know, works on Saturdays. I'm like, yes, but nobody wears a suit to the office on Saturdays, even in the 80s. You dress down if you're going to the office on Saturdays. Nobody wears a suit to the office. You don't, you don't say to your brother, excuse me, I always wear a suit to the office. But then why wouldn't he say, on a Saturday? Of course, this is just a nitpicky thing, but I know for a fact that in Back to the Future, he's on a Friday night and he comes home in that morning. It's a Saturday morning. And Dave's going to work in a suit. I don't think so. I mean, that movie is flawed. What the hell is this? Breakfast. I mean, what is my problem that that's what rings in my head? I'm an idiot. I'm a genuine idiot. There's just no other word about it. Um, they also had an article uh, last week on unfe- unheralded SNL players, uh, which is interesting because this guy got fired, this guy Luke Null, left Saturday Night Live after one season as a featured player. Now, the funny thing about this guy is that nobody knows who he is, but I do. So he came on 
and did these two really funny bits that I remember that I'm sure nobody knew. And it's funny that he got fired because I actually thought he was really good. He had this one sketch where he just comes into school and he's like a bully. He must have written it and they just let him do it. And it was so funny because then it turns out it was his first day at school and nobody knew who he was. Like it, That was like the payoff and it was really funny. And then he he was also something on an airplane too and he was really, really funny and he just got fired. And they were just talking about the featured players over the years that, you know, that kind of got fired and you haven't heard from them. Because uh, he's saying, but for every... John Belushi, Eddie Murphy, Dana Carvey, Tina Fey, Leslie Jones, and Christian Wig. There was that unsung featured player behind them, Peter Aykroyd, Dan, Dan's brother, Dean Edwards, Dan Vitale, Yvonne Hudson, Patrick Weathers, Beth Cahill, John Milsner, Sibian Fallon, no relation to Jimmy, Paul Britton, and the list goes on. They all toiled out of the limelight in a seemingly thankless role. Several featured players, Lori Metcalf, Damon Wayans, Ben Stiller, Sarah Silverman, Rob Riggle, and Casey Wilson would eventually claim a bigger share of the spotlight, but they're the exceptions. Now, the reason I brought it up is because one of my friends is in this list. I can't believe they brought him up. Dan Vitale. I don't know if you know Dan Vitale, but Dan Vitale is a living legend in comedy, kind of... In many ways, the way I am, yeah, I'm just going to say it. I'm not being full of myself. I'm saying I am a legend in comedy. Well, here's the perfect example. In Artie's new book, which uh, one of the attorneys at my office picked up at Barnes & Noble and said, oh, my God, I picked up there was your pictures in there. And it's, it's, it's a picture of me, Artie, Russ Maniv, and David Tell. And the caption says, and I don't, I'm not doing it word for word, but the caption pretty much says, here I am with the funniest people alive, and Dave Juskow, which is really funny. I mean, it, I've never heard my mother laugh so hard when I told her that. I, You know, my mother never finds me funny and never laughs. But that seemed to really... She, I thought she was going to have a heart attack. I've never heard her laugh so hard. And that pretty much sums me up. Yes, I'm in the pictures with the comedians. Uh, you know, here's the famous comedians and Dave Juskow. So in many ways, I am a living legend because nobody can figure out why is Dave Juskow in that photo. But this guy, Dan Vitale, I mean, he had it all. He got, you know, he was a brilliant comic. And uh, he's been on Mark Maron's podcast before. I, I, I was thinking about bringing him in uh, before we talk about it, but I, I can't decide. He's a little, um, what do you call it, uh, you know, loose cannon. Even though now I think he's sober and everything, you know, drugs messed him up, just like Artie. But he's still alive. Uh, but I really do believe he's clean. But he's a mess and he's poor. And I think an old girlfriend takes care of him so he has a place to live. But it's 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 bad. But he's still really funny and he makes me laugh out loud just the way like Artie does or something. I mean, he really does. And his stories are really, really funny. Really funny. And sometimes, like once a year, we we meet somewhere at a pizza place or something and he and he tells us the tales. And the way he tells the story, I mean, he really is good. I mean, he has this one joke that's that's I'll never forget. It was unbelievable. But the best story about Dan Vitale is that Lauren Michaels really liked him, and he was just kind of heralding him as this you know new guy. But you know, unfortunately, every time he was supposed to be on stage at Saturday Night Live, I'm talking about the live show, he'd go downstairs and buy coke. But the best story is that the way I heard it was that he 
went to the Yankee game with Lorne Michaels and Art Garfunkel. And he threw up on Art Garfunkel <laughs> because he was so fucked up. But so I always laughed at that because there's nothing funnier than uh, where somebody tells a story and he goes, and the ending is, and he threw up on Art Garfunkel and Art was pissed at a Yankee game with Lorne Michaels next to him. But then, you know, years later, you know, it's one of those stories where years later you find another unbelievable tidbit of information and you cannot believe that it's happening. You know, it's really one of those things. Oh, my God. What is happening now? What is happening? What are you telling me? It's like that big. Like we found out the tidbit of more of what went on. You know what? He threw up just because, you know, we just assumed he was just wasting. He threw up on our car phone. Now, that's a good story for the ages enough if you're one human being. But the rest of the story is, as I've been told, is <laughs> oh boy, um, is that Diane Vitale and Art Garfunkel got into a fight at the Yankee game, and you know Dan was so you know fucked up that like one punch to the stomach, that's why he threw up on him. But the reason they were fighting is because they were both dating Penny Marshall. No, you heard me correctly. <laughs> they, they, yes, they were both dating. What? How can that? It almost deserves the. Uh... Yeah. Yeah, they were both. No, that's for real. That wasn't. I wasn't. I'm making it a joke with the rib shop, but I, they, they, which never comes on time. Damn it. But they were both dating Penny Marshall. And they got no fight over Penny Marshall. Now, when, when are you going to say that in a lifetime too? Not only did you throw up on our Garfunkel, but we're both, wait, we, you're dating Penny Marshall, I'm dating Penny. Now, I'm sure Penny Marshall is a lovely person. I, I got to spend some time with her. She's very nice. But I just, at her peak, uh, I, I, you know, I can't in my mind envision two guys fighting over Penny Marshall. Now, you tell me, surely. I can see. When we think of fighting over a girl, we think more Giselle Bunchen, you know, Kate Upton. You can see guys dueling over that, but the, the, the Penny Marshall was a very shocking and unbelievable revelation. And when I heard it, and so that is a reason. Yes, we got to get this guy in the pocket. He's got so many stories. Um, I think the problem is I'm not sure if I want him at my house. So I don't. <laughs> maybe if I go to his house, we'll do it. But he is really fun and a really nice guy, and he's been making fun of me for years, and it's really funny because, you know, it's funny to make fun of me. That's always been funny, but, you know, people love hanging out with me because I am an outstanding audience. As much of a dick or whatever I am, I am a very good audience. I have a very good laugh, and it's all real. I mean, this guy really makes me laugh hard like Artie does. Like I told you that time when I was in the car and I thought I was, uh, you know, I listened to myself back on this podcast, and I'm like, oh, I'm a dick, I'm just laughing at Artie because you know we were going through a bad time and then I listened to the podcast again and I it turned out um just a complete seriously laughing again at the whole thing well I just want to play this for some reason I'm an advertising man not a red herring I've got a job a secretary a mother two ex-wives and several bartenders dependent upon me and I don't intend to disappoint them all by getting myself slightly killed yeah that's exactly the way I feel too so uh Ben Affleck ha <laughs> Ha! Ha! Fuck you! 
Ben Affleck, you cock-plucking motherfucker. Uh, yeah. So he's in rehab again because his life just isn't. It's just, oh, it's horrible. My life sucks. Oh, no, I'm Batman. Oh, fuck him. This guy's been a loser from day one. Why are we putting him in anything? It's the third time in rehab. His ex-wife's got to drive him there. She's like, listen, will you just go to rehab because we got the kids? Finally, that idiot from Saturday Night Live finally broke up with him. My God, thank God. You know, I got that. I don't know whether I told you I got the connection with this because he's a cock-blocking asshole. I mean, this this guy, uh, I couldn't be happier. You know, I just really don't like this guy. And he just keeps failing and failing and failing upward. And can we just be done with him now? He said, so, you know what's going to be great? He's going to come out of rehab. Oh, I'm fine now. I'm fine. He's going to get another Oscar. Oh, why are we putting up with this? Let's just not see any of his stuff and, and just stop. We don't, nobody wants to see Ben Affleck anymore. We're done. Oh, I just, I finally watched Justice League. If he wasn't in it, it might have been good. DC, man, you suck. And you, you're my shit. I love DC Comics. You can't make a decent goddamn movie. That Justice League, it was okay, but it was really boring, a lot of it. I mean, the Batman one seemed to work okay, but boy, you really just can't get it right. It's messed up. Just give up. Stick to TV. And, you know, just make Wonder Woman movies because she's so pretty. She's good. She's the best part about all these things. Who would have ever thought? Because Scarlett Johansson, who is now like the biggest money-making star, she's the worst. She's horrible in those movies. She's unnecessary. She's a very dull actress. She's really pretty, but she's very dull. I just don't, I don't care for her at all. And now she's making the most money. You know, I see a lot of her movies, but she's very dull. You know, for me, you know, Denzel Washington, I always said that. Uh, you know, I sometimes I'm afraid to say because I think people think I'm prejudiced. Uh, but, uh, but, you know, it's a black, but it, no, it's, I just, Denzel Washington to me is the most boring of all actors. I can't stand him and I don't know why it just doesn't work for me. But I, I really don't think it's a black thing. I mean, there's plenty of black actors I really, really like and everything. So, but I get nervous sometimes around black people if I say that, you know, just like the, the thing where people say like, you know, you know, you seen Black Panther? I'm like, I haven't seen it. What? You know, they, they get angry at that kind of stuff. Uh, so I, I I know I got to see it. But I want to see it. I want to see it, and then I want to see the Marvel movie. I was trying to look for it in the, the secret location without paying for it, and I, I can't seem to find it. So I might pay for it. It really looks very entertaining. Kind of looking forward to it. Um, I'm just getting through all this stuff, and you know what I like to talk about sometimes is the, uh, in baseball, like when the Mets play the uh, Brewers, you know, we've been talking about this. They they have the sausage race. And I love the sausage race. But it turns out that uh, the reason I'm bringing it up is because, so a lot of the other parks have tried these races, you know, like around the sixth inning or something. So Milwaukee started with the sausage race. So you have the sausage race uh, where, you know, you got the bratwurst sausage, the Polish, the Italian, the Frankfurter, and the, uh, and the, and the, the Chirosa, you know, which they added in. And it's really funny. You watch them go down. They're all in these big costumes, and they race, and it's really funny because, you know, it's funny when the announcers are like, you know, the, the chores, I always can't pronounce that. The chores, chores, well, let's just say the bratwurst uh, always, you know, like, I, I don't know. It's just, it makes me laugh because it's like puppetry again, right, because I'm an idiot. So Derek Jeter is 
is getting rid of so much stuff as the Marlins owner now. And uh, somebody told me today he's a real asshole. Like a, he's like a horrible. Like they're so angry at him. He's just a horrible. Like a, he has, this guy has a friend who's a huge Marlins fan, and he's just like Derek Jeter's the worst. But I mean, who knows? You know, he's but not right now. He's just selling everything off, and then maybe he'll build a team. So you know, give him a chance. But he just cut the sea creature race. Yeah, they had a sea creature race. He just cut out. You know, all these people that work now: Bob the shark, Julio the octopus. Angel the Stone Crab and Spike the Sea Dragon. I mean, they're all out. I mean, what gives, Billy? Uh, Billy did Derek. I said Billy. Billy the Marlin will remain, of course. But you know, Derek. I mean, that that's just cruel. You're cutting out the sea creature rates. That was the only reason to go down to the Marlin Stadium. And we see Julio the Octopus really give it to Bob the Shark because that's what you want to see at the uh, the Milwaukee. Now the the, the the Milwaukee they had a big turnover Clement Sausages were, you know, the the big sponsor and then Johnsonville Sausages are now as it now instead of the sausage race it's now called the Famous Racing Sausages. I mean they made a lot of changes. Then they got Bratwurst, which is the Bratwurst sausage. Stash Jonik, which is the Polish sausage, Guido the Italian sausage, Frankie Futter, which is the hot dog. And Cinco the Chiroso. Those are their names. Uh, you know, I'm always rooting for the Bratwurst for some reason. I really don't know why, which doesn't make any sense after the entire tirade of the Holocaust. But, you know, and down in Washington, D.C., you know, they have the president's race. where They have uh, George Washington, Thomas Jefferson, Abraham Lincoln, Abraham Lincoln, Theodore Roosevelt. The big gag was, you know, that Theodore Roosevelt never wins. But he finally ended up winning like about a year ago, which was really exciting. But it's really funny because they just retired like three of the ones they had, which were also William Howard Taft, Calvin Coolidge, and Herbert Hoover. How, how did they decide those? Why them? If you're going to have a William Howard Taft doll, why not have a James Polk doll? I mean, what, where, where did I got? I got to look more into that. I really got to look more into like how did they did? Which meeting did they have where they said, "Well, we got to have a Herbert Hoover." Let's see. We want to emulate the Milwaukee sausage race. So let's do it with the presidents because we're in D.C. So who we got? We got George Washington, Thomas Jefferson, Abraham Lincoln, obviously. And uh, what do you think? Hoover? What? No, uh, yeah, you're right, right, right. How about uh, how about uh, Taft? Yeah, because he's he's really fat. Oh, yeah, a fat one could be funny. I mean, I don't know if they made him. I guess I get a picture to see if they really went for the fatness. We all know Taft was fat. But then I don't know where you're going with. Uh, I understand Theodore Roosevelt, maybe, but I, you know, I would have gone with more FDR, and he's in a wheelchair. I think that would have been much funny. You know how I'm obsessed with FDR. Oh, by the way, breaking news. Nightfly, breaking news. Um, I think my next musical production at the Comedy Cellar, I'm thinking about it. I just came up with it Friday because I was with Mateo and the manager there who, you know, loves musicals and stuff. We're thinking of doing Annie. Well, now, now, now hold on a second. Uh, Mateo is Annie. Me is Daddy Warbucks. And what if I can get the original Annie, uh, Andrea McArdle, as Miss Hannigan? However, I may not just even bother with that 
because Judy Gold is Miss Hannigan. I know I don't want to work with her again. She's so annoying. She doesn't listen to pay attention. But Judy Gold is Miss Hannigan. I mean, oh, that's pretty funny. That is pretty funny. I mean, look, me and Mateo, we just want to sing. And uh, that's what it takes. I don't know. You're just thinking about it because it could be kind of fun. And the best part was, now let's say, now let's just say that I was to get hair transplants. Let's just say that this could happen. I am thinking about it heavily. I don't know whether I've ever mentioned it on the podcast before. Because it's like one of those things. It's like, well, do I want to mention it? But then it's like, you know, I, I just can't. I can't not tell anybody. I'm an idiot. I got a potty mouth and I, no, that's not the right word, but I got diarrhea of the mouth. I cannot keep a secret. It's about myself. I can't, what's the point of the podcast? So I am strongly thinking about doing it, but here's the best part. Let's say I do it. What's funnier than me doing it and then I get it done and then six months later I have to put on a skin head wig to play Daddy Warbucks even though I just got Hair implants. That's funny to me. Now that's comedy. That's comedy. It's like the night Lincoln got shot. You couldn't make fun of it then, but time passes. I love New York. I was born in that building right there, behind the, the guy, uh, the statue there, the guy in the pedestal. I love New York. It's like, a, it's like thousands of uh, straight lines just looking for a punchline, you know? And what makes New York such a funny place is that there's so much tension and pain and misery and craziness here. And they got that's the first part of comedy. But see, you got to get some distance from it. You know what I mean? That the main, the thing to remember about comedy is if it's if it bends, it's funny. If it breaks, it's not funny. So you got to get back from the pain. You see what I mean? But the, the uh, like they said, they asked me up in uh, uh, at Harvard. A bunch of kids asked me. What's comedy? So I said, and this this is part of what I'm trying to say about getting back from it. I said, comedy is tragedy plus time. Tragedy plus time. See, when the night Lincoln was shot, you couldn't joke about it. You couldn't make a joke about that. He just couldn't do it. Now time has gone by, and now it's fair game. See what I mean? It's tragedy plus time. Okay, we're out. That's it? So fast? I shut up ten rolls on your first question. I, I shut up ten rolls on your first question. Uh, <laughs> and the the looks that Woody Allen makes after he starts doing that when they cut to him and he's just looking through the lens and he's just like, ugh. When it bends, it's funny. And when it breaks, it's comedy. I don't even know if I got it right, but oh my God, how great is that scene, right? Am I right, people? Because you know what I like? I like comedy. I like comedy a lot. And I hope you like it too. Well, that's our show for today. I think we covered everything, got through a lot of stuff, and we can just start afresh on September 11th. I think it is September 11th, which our next show will be. Um, And, uh, you know, I'm really trying to plan some, you know, fall material, some good guests, some good times, some kind of, uh, you know, fun. I'm trying to put stuff together. This is the last one that, you know, just because I was doing it, it's coming out the day after Labor Day. And so then we'll have the next one, the day after Rosh Hashanah. And then the next one, the day after, the day before Yom Kippur. I mean, can you put out a podcast on Kol Nidre? Sure you can, because you put it out in the morning, it's okay. 
But that's the plan. I don't know why I'm doing this voice. I think I'm tired. You know what time it is right now? It's like 2, 2.30. I did a late night podcast. And it was super fun. And I was like wide awake and ready to go and ready to share some stories with you and do some talking. And I mean, we do long podcasts because you know what? Who cares? And you listen in pieces and portions. We have a good time and you just have some stuff to listen to. We listen to songs. We listen to nonsense and clips and fun and games. And that's what it is. And that is what the night fly is and will continue to be. God damn it. Until, until, well, I guess until podcasts aren't fun anymore. And, you know, even when they're not, that's when I'm really going to shine. You know, when nobody's doing them anymore, I'm still going to continue to do them because that's what I do. That's what makes me huge in the business. Huge. So, nothing to uh, report or anything coming up in the notes, but uh, the next uh, couple of weeks. But uh, except uh, tomorrow, I will be on the Anthony Cumia show if you have that subscription. Other than that, I will see you next week on September 11th. A wonderful day in this nation's history. Ugh. Good night, everybody.